lot of your patients have my story where they're estranged from their families? Oh, absolutely. This is very, very common. The parents don't really understand bipolar disorder. They don't know what it is. They assume it's something the person can control and are just being the biggest jerks in the world. Then there's always the point after the diagnosis and the person just flat out refuses to take the medication as prescribed. So then that comes with a lot of anger from the family because they're like, hey, buddy, now you know what you have and you won't even do what you need to do. And then there comes a whole lot of other arguments and fights. So yeah, I see this a ton. Listening to Inside Bipolar, a Healthline Media podcast, where we tackle bipolar disorder using real world examples and the latest research. Welcome, everyone. My name is Gabe Howard, and I live with bipolar disorder. And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington, a board certified psychiatrist. In the vein of we get emails, Dr. Nicole, one of the emails that, that I've, I've, we've gotten quite frequently is, Gabe, you mentioned that your parents made a bunch of mistakes, but you never really dive into what the mistakes are. And, uh, you know, I, I don't for many, many reasons, but got to give the people what they want and they want to know what my parents screwed up. So the title of this episode really should be throwing Gabe's parents under the bus. What do you think? Oh, your poor mom and dad. Are they going to listen after this is done? They will if I name it. I'm going to throw my parents <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> You're absolutely right. They, they will, will listen. They will definitely tune into that one. <laughs> they will. They will. They will. And you do talk a lot about the mistakes your parents made. And we haven't gone into detail. And I, and I, I get why maybe we have not. But it sounds like people are really curious about what kinds of mistakes your parents made. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I just like to know, like, what do you consider a mistake? So there's where it gets really, really difficult, right? I, I Many people want my story to like zag the left. They, they want me to tell a story about how my mom was like a, a functional alcoholic who, who sat on the couch and like threw bonbons at our head and how my dad ran around town and cheated on my mom or how there were beatings or how we had a lot of instability in our, in our household. And I understand for many people, elements of that are, are very, very real for them. And I think one of the things that, that shocks many people is just how stable our household was. We, we it, it never zags. I, I just want to let everybody know it's never going to zag. My parents never beat me. My mom and dad loved me very much. They, they were present as often as they could. And get this, get this, Dr. Nicole. I want you to go back to like the 1980s. My family and I, we sat down to dinner almost every night at the kitchen table as a family. Wow. My, my father is now a retired truck driver. So growing up, he, he was a truck driver. And my mom's a stay at home mom. And and I, I know it's it's, it's they, practically Norman Rockwell. I mean, they sound like monsters. I don't know. They sound, they sound like <laughs> terrible people. I don't know. But I imagine as, as wonderfully as you talk about them now, I would imagine they're supportive now. They get it. You all have come full circle. But I would imagine in the beginning, especially when Gabe was pre-bipolar diagnosis, maybe they weren't quite as wonderful because they didn't know how to be. The biggest mistake that I feel that my parents made is they tried to punish the symptoms of bipolar disorder out of me. And, and that's a really, really big mistake when you think about trauma and think about trying to move forward. So, but 
let's look at it from their perspective. Mania would make me stay up all night and depression would make me sleep all day. All right. Well, never in the history of time as a teenager stayed up all night and then wanted to sleep all day. Uh, grandiosity would make me a, a, a know-it-all who, who was right about everything and would challenge every little thing they said. Yeah. Yeah. Never in the history of time as a teenager ever thought they knew everything. And, and it, mania made me talk a, a thousand miles a minute and dominate every conversation and think that I was the center of the universe. Yeah. This is, this is a typical behavior behavior for teenagers. But now let's flip it back and look at this from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I-, I tried, Dr. Nicole. I-, I wanted to be good and they were consistently and 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 this is what I want folks to focus on. They were consistently telling me that I was bad. Mm. Consistently telling me that I was wrong, that I needed to change my behavior, that I needed to clean up my act, that I needed to do better. And these are my parents. Yeah. And I I I love my parents. So I believed them. I heard the message loud and clear. Mm -hmm. If I continue this behavior, I am a worthless human being. Now put bipolar disorder on top of that, where in in the depressive moments that... It, it, it doesn't take much to, to, to push a depressed person over the edge. And when you have your family telling you that you're bad because they believe these are behavioral issues, all of this just coalesced into this mess where I really felt like I was all alone, which of course means I, I didn't see them as support. I didn't see them as allies and I didn't see them as people that I could go to. And it, that is a really, really huge mistake because as we've talked about on this show before, a support system is a huge protective factor. Mm -hmm. And my support system's message was clear. I'm a bad person. And it sounds like that was a very lonely experience, right? When the the people that you love and care about the most and expect to be there for you during those darkest times are telling you, you need to do better. You're a bad kid, straighten up, buck up, those kinds of things. I would imagine that those, those statements, those moments were extremely hurtful. How, how did you deal with that? It, it depends on where I was on the spectrum of bipolar disorder. If I was manic, they were idiots. Mm-hmm. If I was depressed, they were right. And this went into the, the the pro list of why I should end my life. If I was in the middle, I was working really, really hard to make them happy. Mm-hmm. I was trying so hard. Again, I didn't... When bipolar disorder, Dr. Nicole, is mean. It's cruel because you you take the exact same thing and depending on where you are on that bipolar spectrum, you're going to see and or remember it differently. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really very much a whiplash effect. And let's focus on when I was in the middle. See the the, the middle, the the stereotypical, the the average, right? The the just just right in the center. If we're if we're using the spectrum analogy to full effect, that's when you make people proud right? That's when you get the job. That's when you excel at school. That's when you make the team. That, that's when your grades start to, to perk up. That's when your parents start bragging about you. But more importantly, that's when everyone thinks that all of the interventions are working. That's when they believe that the punishment finally took, the lecture finally took, the intervention finally took. And I believed that too. I'm like, hey, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. But it, it had nothing to do with that. It was just It just happened to be a coincidence. I just happened to cycle into the stereotypical average center of the spectrum at the same time that an intervention occurred. But here's why bipolar disorder is mean, Dr. Nicole. Nobody understood that. As far as my parents were concerned, the intervention worked, the lecture worked, the punishment worked, and I could do it. 
They saw me do it. They watched me do it. They watched me behave. So anytime that symptom would show up, mm -hmm. they'd be like, look, he, he's choosing poorly again. Right. What is wrong with this kid? And I believed it too. Right. I was like, look, I, I don't know why I'm choosing poorly, but I, I joke about it now, but here is, here's the, the honest to God's blunt truth. I be, I, I, I started to believe that I was just an asshole, mm -hmm. that I was just a bad, broken kid. And my parents started believing this as well, because it, again, they saw me be good. Right. And in their mind, I was being willfully and maliciously defiant for no reason. So they said, well, look, he's doing great now. So he has the ability to do great. He just chooses not to during those other times. I think that's one of those places where we see us talking about mental health disorders as behavioral health and using the term behavioral health and behavioral health issues. I think just the word behavior in there gives people the idea that all of the symptoms that people have are behaviors and they can just snap out of them whenever we tell them to. So it, it, it sounds like your parents were uh, victims of their lack of knowledge about mental illness, which a lot of parents are. So I would imagine your relationship was very rocky during that time. Yeah. And, and let's stay on that lack of knowledge, right? Let, let's, let's keep along that lack of knowledge focus. Here's another lack of knowledge moment that was happening in, in my childhood with my parents. We believed that mental illness happened to bad families. We believed that mental illness happened because you had uh, bad parents and unstable life. Actually, more specifically, we believed that mental illness happened because you had a bad mother. We believed all of these tropes. We also believed that, that violence and mental illness were inherently linked. I was never violent. So the my 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 parents are just like, look, we give you food, your house is stable, we love you and shower you with attention, and uh, you've got a really really good mom. It's true. All of those things are true. They're completely true. So in 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 the mid 80s and the 90s, my parents were like, look, we don't know what's wrong with this kid, but mental illness wasn't even on the radar. Nowhere nowhere. Nobody thought it wasn't even a it, zero discussion. You want to talk about a huge mistake. Their child was exhibiting textbook symptoms of bipolar disorder and anxiety, and they missed them right. completely because they believed a stereotype they saw on television. Yeah. And, and as a parent, I get the whole, did I do something wrong? And really it's not about us. If our kids are struggling and they're having some issue, but you're right, back then we thought, oh my gosh, I must be a horrible mom because we read all this stuff about bad parents creating mentally ill children. It sounds like they were also very scared because they didn't know what to do. And there was a lot of maybe ego involved because they thought that bad parents created these children and they thought, well, we're not bad parents. Like he must just be a bad egg. And sometimes when you are in those kind of situations, you even behave in ways that that just aren't even typical for you. Did you see your parents behave in ways that you had never seen? And how was that for you? It's really hard to answer that question, of course, because I've got to use the memory of someone with bipolar disorder. And I think that that's a real thing that people miss when they're really, really mad at their, their families and their friends and things like this. They're like, well, I'm reflecting back and you hurt me. 
Maya Angelou, whom I love, she says that you you never forget how people make you feel. And of course, we all hear that as like, oh, if you make people feel good, they remember you and they make you feel good. And 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 that's that's what she meant, and that's beautiful. Yeah, but it cuts the other way. Mm-hmm. When people make you feel bad, that that commits to your muscle memory as well. Mm-hmm. My parents often made me feel bad. They made me feel less than. Just being in the room with them sucked the energy out of me and hurt me and made me feel like a terrible, terrible person. Sincerely, I've forgotten the question because as I... As I'm just reflecting backwards on it, it, it it starts to swell up in my chest. And it, there was a part of me that's like, well, I should just cut and re-record it. But I I, I want to share with you, Dr. Nicole, and the in the audience, it even now, I love my parents, I do, and I want to make sure that everyone hears this. It you trip over it. You trip over it. You're just sitting there, your mom says something that maybe she said, or you smell a food that she cooked, and you're like, she was mean to me. She was horrible horrible to me. And, and even though you've got now, because I've reached recovery, I've talked to other family members, I've been through a lot of therapy. And even though I know it wasn't as bad as I remember it, it doesn't matter. The anxiety is already set in the, the cold, clammy sweats. And I can see where people who don't understand what happened and have that, that fuzzy bipolar memory and and that feeling. And they're just like, look, I'm going with my gut on this one he or she is evil. They are evil. This situation is bad and I need to get out of here. And unfortunately, in in some cases, not all, but in some cases, you're running away from people who bipolar disorder got in between that relationship mm-hmm. and they've ended it because again, you remember how people made you feel. And if you can never update that feeling, you're, you're lost for good. And, and it, it just... I'm 46 years old, doctor. I met up with my parents a long time ago, and and it, it doesn't go away. Yeah, it it seems like it's always still there, and I wonder if it's still there from both sides. I mean, I I wonder if your parents also have things that they are holding on to and dealing with in their own way. I do think it's important to remember that there are two sides, and what you may have perceived as a slight, maybe your parents didn't. Who knows who's right or wrong? I mean, it was 30 years ago. Who who knows? I mean, they're the- going to have to get their own podcast if they want to tell their side <laughs> of the story. Who knows? <laughs> they they can pitch Healthline Media. They got computers. They 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 got. They, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that. It's interesting that you ask what they're holding on to, because one of the big things that they're holding on to is this this concept of the wrath of Gabe, right? Think about bipolar disorder. Think about mania. Think think about anger. Think about teenage years. Think about uncontrolled yelling and screaming. This continued up until I was di- so I was 26 years old when I was diagnosed. This behavior repeated itself on and off in our relationship until I was 26 years old. Remember, I yelled, "I hate you," at my mother. So I, I just I I want to make sure that the audience hears that for what I'm about to say. I haven't had a wrath issue. I haven't had a rage issue. I haven't had an uncontrolled anger issue in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yet when things get tense or whenever there's like a family disagreement or I get even just a tiny bit upset about something, my mother will immediately say, oh, the wrath of Gabe. We don't need the wrath of Gabe. I'm like, I I, I haven't raised my voice to you in two decades, but it's there. That Even though she's forgiven me, even though the family has forgiven me, even though everyone loves me, they still remember those uncontrolled outbursts that won't go away. And that's just what I see on the surface. I haven't like delved in. We, we haven't, I, I just, I'm sure that they have much, much more to contribute. That's just what I've noticed. And there's lots of little things like that. Like you're just, 
you're, you're still holding me accountable and responsible for stuff that I did when I was very young or in my early twenties, before I was diagnosed, before I reached recovery, before I went to therapy, before I apologized yet, you're still hanging on to it. So Dr. Nicole, I have to believe it must go deeper. For both, for both sides, for both sides, it must go deeper. So you say that you were diagnosed at 26, but at that point you weren't still living at home with your parents. Your relationship wasn't quite the same as it was when you were a teenager and living at home and going through all the things you described. What were they doing wrong then? You two were living in separate places. You were independent. What kind of mistakes did they make at that time? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back discussing the effect bipolar disorder can have on family relationships. Obviously, when you're you're living apart, the, the mistakes are less. And and they really did jump on board really quickly. So there, there's a little bit of a nitpicky factor in, in this answer. But one of the big mistakes that they made is they're just like, well, you've got a diagnosis and you've got the pills. Be med compliant. Well, you've got a diagnosis. Just do what you're supposed to do and you'll get better. There was sort of a pick up yourself from your bootstraps kind of vibe. Because again, they, they didn't understand that this was, and I didn't understand that this was measured in years. I thought recovery was go to the doctor, get the prescription, take the the medication as prescribed, you know, med compliance, and you will be fine. And I kept having all of these setbacks and I felt like they were very judgmental of the setbacks. I, I felt like they were constantly looking down on me like I did something wrong. And that's half correct. They were looking down on the setback. They weren't looking down on me. They were, they were worried about me. They, they're like, oh no, he's falling back into old patterns or, uh oh, maybe he's not taking the pills or, well, he, he was showing such great improvement. Why did he stop? And that worry came to the surface. I interpreted that as, uh, yep. Gabe's a screw up again. Oh, look, there it is. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. And And of course, even sometimes they're, their, their little speeches about try harder or trust in the process or, or are you listening to the doctor? Or of course, my personal favorite, did you take your meds today? It cut. It, it really, really cut deep. Some of that's not their fault, right? This is just, this is just how we understand it. The, the biggest, 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 biggest mistakes they made is just they didn't understand what was going on. So they started repeating the stereotypes they started repeating the stuff that they saw on TV and it, they didn't understand that being committed to a psychiatric hospital is a trauma. 
it's scary. And they said things when I, when I would talk about it, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of nerve to talk about it. And I would talk about how infantilizing it was or how scared I was or how they locked me up against my will. Their number one response was always, well, it was for your own good. Well, it saved your life. Well, could you imagine if you didn't go there? And I always liken it to my, my dad had triple heart bypass surgery. And the night before that surgery, he was scared, right? He was scared. They're going to, they're going to crack open his chest. They're going to pull it open. They're going to operate on his heart. This is a big, big deal. And could you imagine if my dad said, I'm really scared about having this, this open heart surgery. And we said, well, it's for your own good. Your ticker's not working, old man. You, you, you could die if you don't do this. What, what's your problem? Why are you being this way? And, and I think when people hear it that way, they think, wow, that'd be really cruel. But when I say I was committed to a psychiatric hospital, I'm scared it's going to happen again. I, I was scared then. And it, it this, this was a very traumatic experience. And it's like, well, it's for your own good. And they just wander off like it's okay. These things were dismissive. They, they, they weren't recovery focused or oriented. And, and again, I was, I was, I wanted just, just Dr. Nicole, I wanted, and I want their pride so badly. I want them to be proud of me. And every time I had a stumble, I really felt they weren't proud of me and it hurt a lot. And I was feeling feelings that I had never felt before. So it, it, it cut, cut, cut really, really hard. So once you got your diagnosis and okay, now we have a reason. Now we can all wrap our hands around the reason. What was that like kind of coming to terms with all the bad blood you dealt with for all the years before? Was there a family meeting? Was there a therapy session? Like how, 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 how did we put all this out in the open? Because there's the elephant in the room. You are together. They know now, oh my gosh, this explains why he behaved the way he did. And they may have felt a little guilty about how they responded. And now here you are. Who knows? Maybe you're forgiving. Maybe you're angry. Like, look, I had bipolar disorder. You treated me like blah, blah, blah. You know, how, how did we get to the space you are now? I, I, I want to tell you that there's a joke that I give in, in, in my speech where I say that when I told my mother I had bipolar disorder, the first thing she said is, what's that? So I, I read her from the pamphlet, the definition of bipolar disorder, g- g- generic medical pamphlet definition. And she responded with, oh, my God, I always called you my Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde child, to which I responded, my God, mom, that's literally an analogy for bipolar disorder. It's not a good moment for me. Because I realized my, my mom knew and she didn't do anything about it. What, what kind of an evil mother sees her child suffering and does nothing? So we, we moved into phase two, which is why didn't you save me? It's your job to save me. Why didn't you protect me? It's your job to protect me. You let me down. This happened because you didn't teach me about suicide. This happened because you didn't find me medical care. This happened because you left me alone. How could you? Now, again, I I want everybody to stay focused on 26-year-old Gabe, recently diagnosed, that, that, that sat in me. It sat in me that the reason that I went through this is because they didn't help me. How could I, I, frankly, I'm getting a little bit angry now. (laughs) If if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm being honest, just, they were supposed to protect me, Dr. Nicole. And at that age, at that point in my life, I still thought parents were magic. I did. I I thought that they were all seeing, all knowing, all protecting. They, They were heroes, right? Because they're your parents and they're infallible. This is my mindset, both because of my age and, and experience. And of course, you know, bipolar disorder 
didn't help. So does your specific question of, of how did you get here slowly, very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to cut my parents off. I never wanted to see them again. Uh, that, that was as I was going through therapy and I was learning all the stuff that I did. Remember the Maya Angelou quote, you never forget how people make you feel. And they made me feel bad. And the number one reason they made me feel bad is because they reminded me of my childhood where frankly, I just did not do so well. Families are very complicated. They are very complicated. And it's good that they're complicated because I couldn't cut off my mom and dad because if I cut off my mom and dad, I would lose my grandma and grandpa. Right. If, if I cut off mom and dad, I couldn't go anywhere that they were, which means no, no, no more grandma and grandma. I'm not giving up grandma and grandpa. I love grandma and grandpa. They're, they're awesome. I, I also have siblings. I have aunts and uncles. I have cousins. You just, they're, they're all together. So I, I just thought I would just do the cold shoulder thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, and, 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 and we did the cold shoulder thing. Uh, I, I don't, they, they worked hard. I, I, I harder than, than I did. And here's the thing that Here's the thing that that just experience. For, forget about bipolar disorder for a minute. Let's just talk about the aging process. Mm-hmm. At some point, you realize that your parents are just doing their best. That that they're not infallible. They're not all knowing. That they they make huge mistakes because they're human. And that was what started working its way in slowly, Doctor Nicole. This idea that, huh, my parents didn't do this maliciously. They didn't, they didn't ignore their responsibilities. They just screwed up and that helped a lot. But, you know, there was a moment, there was a big watershed moment that really kickstarted the forgiveness. Mm, I'm ready to hear about this. I love, I love forgiveness moments. I was leading a support group and several people were talking about how their parents cut them off. The topic that was on the group's mind that day is how, how people missed their parents because their parents abandoned them, mm. just straight up abandoned them. They weren't there. They wouldn't take their phone calls. And, and even though they had reached recovery and were doing better, and in, in some cases had grandchildren that their parents had never met, they just, they just left. They just left because of... I, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast needs a, a list of reasons. It's, yeah. it's it's unfortunately all too common. And as I'm sitting there, I thought, huh, you know, their parents didn't make the mistakes that my parents made because in order to make those mistakes, you have to be there. You have to be present. You have to be trying. You, you have to be throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. You need to be there to, to mess up. I, it, it never even occurred to me, Dr. Nicole, that parents could abandon their children. That's how good of a job my parents did. That it never even occurred to me that they could leave me. They gave me so much support, so much love, so much stability, and were there and in, in just so perfect in their, in their support for me that it never even occurred to me in all of my anger, all of my rage, all of my bipolar disorder, all of my, it never even occurred to me that they could leave me. It changed my way of thinking dramatically because I was like, huh, wow, that's a, that's a big, 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 big it, it was a lot to take on. And I, I saw things in a different light. I sincerely, the thing that I put in my head every time, mm-hmm. every time I'm mad at them is in order to be mad at them, they have to be present yeah. and they're present and they ain't going anywhere. But that took a lot of years. 
right? To a lot get, of years. To get to that point, I mean, how many years are we talking that have passed? Oh, geez. So I was diagnosed at 26. I was probably 31 okay. when that happened. Now, again, I never cut off contact, but it was, you know, it was, it was tough. Okay. Cold, cold shoulders. So we're talking, I mean, we're talking years of, of yes. very awkward family gatherings, very awkward family holidays, lots of other people having to bask in the awkwardness between you and your parents. Like we're talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, and I, and I, I hope that somebody out there is hearing you say it took years because I think that sometimes and especially I think I see this in people who do have illnesses like bipolar disorder. There's always the like, but I, I want to fix it now. Like if, it, if it's not great now, I'm running. Like I'm just not coming back. No Thanksgiving. Sorry, grandma. Holla at you later. Um, Hallmark ruined that, right? Because <laughs> it it, it, it's it's uh, everybody it makes up quickly by the end of the movie. The, the the weather matches your mood. The music matches yeah. your mood. The scenery matches your mood. <laughs> just everything is per- and there's there's like one big conversation. Everybody hugs it out and then it's fine. Yeah. Like it's perfect. That yeah. that that's not real life. It, it's it's a slow build. I wish that that was how we could just handle things and everything would be fantastic, but it's not. It does take people a while to come around. It takes loved ones a time. And really, if you think about it, there's forgiveness on both sides. That is the part that I want to make sure people hear. Uh, my parents, they, they made every mistake that, that, that they, they, they really could, uh, except that they didn't make every mistake, right? They never abandoned me. They never left me. They never stopped trying to help me. Whenever I called, they came a running. And yet I still describe that as my parents made every mistake that you could make. And what I mean is, and, and what I'm not great at saying is, they made every mistake as it pertains to mental illness. They made me feel less than. They stigmatized me. They made me believe that it was my fault. They ran no interference for their suicidal child. And this is this is another big thing, Doctor Nicole. When you when you talk about those moments that change everything, I was I was sitting in an event, and and I I was I was the keynote speaker for the event. But they had a couple come up and, and speak before me. That's that's you know usually how it works. You have like multiple speakers at an event. Why am I explaining speakers and events to people? Um, but this, this family, it was, it was a mom and a dad and they came up and they talked about their child and their child just happened to have a lot of similarities with me, life of the party, uh, their firstborn, uh, you know, very loud and gregarious. Uh, and they just, and everybody, and here's the kicker, everybody remembers him as the happiest person they knew mm. and, and remembered his past tense because their son died by suicide and uh, they didn't know. And uh, they have made it their lives mission to educate other people because they don't want other families to have to stand up there and, and, and look at this from, from their position. They, they want families to be educated so that they can spot the symptoms. They can spot the signs and, and they can, they can help. I, I really saw my parents in them and thought that could be them. And I, I was in a place in my recovery at this point, and and even in my my own age and experience and understanding of the world, where it really hit me, this idea that they could have lost a child, and and seeing this family, and they'd given this speech before, and you know you know they they they've still got the tears and they're and they're, they're reading from the screen, and it, it's still it doesn't go away. And then I reflected back to my grandmother and grandfather who lost two children in in adulthood, and, and how it's impacted my family losing my two aunts. And it never goes away. And I thought, oh my God, that 
this could have happened to my family and it, this my th- these could be my parents mm-hmm. yeah that that's got to be horrifyingly terrifying for them the fact that they came so close and yet did nothing so they've got to be beating themselves up too and and in the then questions became bigger right like hey did you feel bad for punishing me yeah i felt terrible oh well, good. All right. Now, now we're, we're, we're making some progress here. I felt terrible too. And I, Dr. Nicole, I I've said it before and I want to say it again. And I feel like this is the perfect place. Mm-hmm. I am only here right now talking so openly about this because I had their permission. Right. I am only sitting here right now because I have their permission. So many families are like, don't air the dirty laundry. Don't you dare embarrass your father. We worked hard. You, you know, you'll make your grandmother cry. There's no support. My family was like, go out there, trash us. And, you know, I haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. Like how my mom got pregnant in high school. She loves it when I tell that. But, but seriously, my parents were like, go out there, throw us under the bus because if it saves a family, it's worth it. The support that I have it is incredible. And I dismissed it as, as meaningless. Okay. I can only imagine what your family gatherings are like now compared to, to back then. <laughs> I, I, I think they're probably pretty fun. I can only imagine. Uh, I, I need to meet your mom one day. We need to have a sit down. <laughs> we need to have a chat. So we've talked a lot about what your parents have done wrong. And I, I just want to touch a little bit on. So I'll start by saying this. A lot of times when I'm taking care of people who have bipolar disorder, they will blame everything on everybody. And everything of theirs is because of their illness. Like everything they did wrong is bipolar. They're all good. Bipolar is bad. Their family's horrible. Did you have to do some work in there where you had to figure out how to take some responsibility for any things you did that you couldn't attribute directly to, oh, I was manic or, oh, I was depressed during that time? All right, listeners, we are out of time, but I want you to tune into the next episode to find out what I say next. And Dr. Nicole will even talk about what my parents did right. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker who could be available for your next event. I'm also the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon. However, you can get a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me just by heading over to GabeHoward.com. And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington. You can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Nicole Psych, as well as my website, drnicolepsych.com. And while you're waiting for the next episode's continuation of what my parents did wrong, wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe. It is absolutely free. And listen, can you do us a favor? Mention this podcast. Do it in a support group. Do it online. Do it on social media. Hell, send somebody a text message because sharing the show is how we grow. We will see everybody next time on Inside Bipolar. You've been listening to Inside Bipolar from Healthline Media and PsychCentral.com have feedback for the show email us at show at psychcentral.com previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash ibp or on your favorite podcast player thank you for listening